Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this podcast today. I am I am Barry Landis, and I am sitting with a really good friend of mine, Michael Whitaker. Hi, Michael. Hey, Barry. Thanks for having me. Michael Whitaker uh, has a storied career, and if you don't mind, I'm going to give you just a little bit about that so people who are listening have um, a sense of uh, what you've been doing in your life. Michael Whitaker is a highly accomplished musician and composer based in Nashville now. He was in Los Angeles, got his start in jazz and classical piano at a young age, developed his own distinctive musical style by his 20s and became one of LA's most in-demand session musicians and sidemen. After graduating from UCLA film scoring, Michael's leveraged his diverse musical background and orchestration abilities to score over 300 TV shows and movies, including wildly popular series like Power Rangers. <laughs> he has won multiple awards for his compositions in orchestration in both film and TV, as well as jazz music over the last few years. Highly regarded in the industry, Michael has been hired by top entertainment companies like Disney, Sony, NBC, Lionsgate to score film and television. He's also collaborated with A-list musicians across genres from jazz to pop, had his own theme song chosen as the flagship tune for Disney's Family Movie Channel in 2011, and still independently active today across TV and film and his own jazz productions. Michael's musical career spanned two decades over two decades of creativity and acclaim across both commercial and artistic musical spheres. And he is also, what I really, really love, is the director of the Scorecraft Composer Academy in Franklin, Tennessee. So, Michael, how do, how do you get all that done in one lifetime? That's pretty amazing. I don't know. That's why I was, I was kind of feeling like I should be dead already uh, after, you read, <laughs> after you read all that. <laughs> You uh, you are not that old as I look at you. Um, I consider myself to be a different generation than you, and you're uh, you're still in your prime. I'm uh, so excited to have known you, and we're going to talk about a couple of our personal experiences. But I think awesome. first off, the first question that occurs to me is: you started in piano mm -hmm. at a young age, and I'm I'm fascinated with what drew you to music and piano in those days? Yeah. Well, my grandma had a piano in her house, and uh, uh, I was able to oddly just sit down and play by ear. I had a very unique gift where I could just play the piano. And uh, uh, so I was very much an ear-playing uh, person. And my my dad had a love for um uh piano he loved jerry lee lewis and mm. uh my grandfather uh uh loved uh you know uh fats waller and art tatum and some of these uh incredible uh jazz piano players and they would play these records and i would just go back to the piano and start playing the same thing and then it kind of freaked them out of course, I was no Art Tatum or, uh, uh, you know, at that age, but I really took a liking to piano. And uh, so that there was kind of a natural thing. And 
you know, uh, my parents ended up getting me a piano and then of course taking classical lessons, which at the, which I think everybody did if, if about a dollar for every time somebody said, Hey, can you, I, I wish I would have stayed uh, with my piano lessons so I could play, you know, right. um, I was one who stayed with it. And of course I hated classical piano lessons as every kid did. So I got outside of that and really got into at the time was boogie woogie music and uh things like jerry lee lewis and and that sort of thing and then that like you kind of evolve as a pianist and get into other styles and then later on of course i went to school for jazz piano and uh you know that was my passion for a long time and uh, but i've been i ended up being a sideman in la um uh, doing all kinds of music, not uh, not just jazz, but, uh, you know, uh, everything you can think of. Wow. How uh, I'm intrigued with how that then intersected with your abilities or stylistic uh, sensibilities uh, with regard to composing. And mm. uh, do, do you find that? comes into it 100 percent, yeah because um at the end of the day uh you know um especially being a, an improviser when you improvise you know john williams is a jazz piano player that's his a lot of people don't know that but he's a phenomenal jazz piano player and when i listen to his scores i really on a lot of levels hear jazz piano um and especially in the terminal uh, the movie, The Terminal, uh, we really hear him really going into jazz music, but jazz is improvising. So you're emoting, you know, you are having a conversation in music. And so that same conversation is a similar conversation that happens with film and te television music, right? There's a conversation that goes on, of course, the dialogue with what's going on between your characters but musically, you're telling the same story. You're telling, you're having that conversation with chords and voicings and textures and harmony and and whether it's soft or whether it's loud or or whether it, the register is high or whether it's down low. Like all these things are really awesome to, uh, to help tell this story. And I think my background as a piano player, being an improviser. Um, I think I took to film and television because it was a way that I naturally already did. And of course, growing up playing in church, you know, when the pastor is giving the altar call at the end, you're playing behind him, you know, creating these moments. Um, and so it's a similar thing. Music is emotion. It draws us in and it connects us to people. It connects people from sitting in their seat in the audience to characters on the screen. And so I loved it. I just loved the idea of doing that. So how that's an interesting uh, point you make about playing in the church. How did keeping your mind attuned to what was going on um, in the church service at that moment, following the pastor, give you some insight into uh, what I would might call extemporaneously knowing where to go and, and what to do at a given moment. Yeah. Well, I think 
the the it's music is energy on some level and you know as somebody is speaking and you're following them um the kind of energy you create with music Mm. it's interesting music is only 12 notes that's all we have in all recorded music you know uh western music anyway um and the the way we can manipulate pacing tempo the way how fast as a piece of music goes these all connect people and move your emotions in different ways even in a pop song like when i hear a, a pop song that's gone flat a lot of times it's because the the artist or producer hasn't allowed the the song to uh to move in a way that um, can connect people. Um, so starting, starting somewhere and then going somewhere, you know, taking us on a journey, you know, so that musical journey is, uh, as a pianist, um, you know, is, is what you're doing when you're playing behind uh, a pastor or whether you're scoring a movie. Wow. Um, so one of the things you and I, uh, talked about, early on in our relationship was your role working with trailers mm-hmm. and you seemed to be, you, you, you were unique to me in the aspect that I never really knew that y- you would score music for a trailer that wasn't music that was used in the movie that mm-hmm. sometimes you just wrote complete scores just for trailers Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating. Tell me a little more about that. I mean, I'm, I'm again, not that familiar with it. And I'm surprised by that because I would have thought most trailer music would have come from the the movie itself. Yeah. Well, in some big movies, you know, uh, whether it's Star Wars or you have a famous movie like, you know, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or something, and they're going to redo um pure imagination you know the classic uh uh song um you will pull from those themes of a movie and you could you could trailerize those themes but a trailer uh trailer music in itself it has to be thought about differently than underscore music underscore serves the picture it serves the emotion trailer music is um, a it's a it's a, a bouncing off point uh, for uh, to pull people in with edit points um, because the video editor, of course, is they're trying they're they they can edit uh, pictures all they want but without these impacts without these hits without the space in between these hits those edits don't pop off the screen in the same mm-hmm. way. So when we're we're creating music for trailers, there's an arc to them. You know, most trailers start at one level, whether it's just a piano melody or it's just some kind of cinematic hit or what we call a a bram, which is like what we what you heard Hans Zimmer in Inception, these big horn hits. But, you know, there can be all kinds of emotion. But at the same point, uh, you're creating a uh, a way for an editor to connect these because we're not watching a scene in a trailer for example we're going from scene to scene pop to pop 
and we're trying to create interest and a an overall arc that's going towards the end that you're like man i gotta see this right <laughs> i want to see this this is that was insane if you took the music out of the trailers of course you know it would just feel really dead and none of those edits would make any sense. So most trailer music is edited or sorry, most trailers are edited and most trailers aren't scored to the picture. Most of the time they're drawing on music libraries, music catalogs to um, actually create those edits. And most editors will like to edit to music, even if it's not the final music. And when you get that kind of an assignment, uh, is that coming from the director? Is that coming from a music supervisor? Is that coming from a an editor? Who's it coming from? Yeah, most of those most of those are coming first of all from music libraries. So most uh, most music supervisors and uh, most directors and producers are going to libraries uh for that kind of music for example like q factory or something like that uh my my teacher uh is one of the biggest uh trailer guys in los angeles and uh so uh, going working with him i really got a really good handle uh on trailer music um so most of it is pulled from libraries um now the custom trailer uh stuff you would be working with a director or a producer to create something unique that they can't find or pull on themes that have already been existed. Um, or maybe there's a, maybe there's a location, you know, maybe you're, you have a kind of a middle Eastern theme or something like that. And there's really nothing that they can grab that's hitting this. So then you're creating something and working with them to create something that kind of creates the emotion that they want to go uh, with. Nice. That's really good. Um, so when you get a call from somebody and you're actually being asked to work on the score of a movie, what, what is your creative process like? How do you get going? What, what's, yeah. what's the starting point for you? Well, I mean, one thing I will say is that, you know, for a director or producer, maybe listening to this, getting the composer involved before you're, you finished it up so that even, you know, if you know it's next year and you're shooting, that composer can be thinking creatively because it's, it's frustrating when you get a project and then it's like okay like my first movie from Lionsgate was a uh, one of the leprechaun movies <laughs> and they said okay uh first of all they didn't want to hire me because they didn't know who I was right so uh I didn't have a big agent and uh but the director who won the academy award for student film at the time uh he really fought for me to be on it mm. and um uh, anyway, I would not recommend going and watching that movie. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so getting getting the composer um, involved early uh, is important. That movie that that movie I had three weeks to score um, over an hour's worth of music. So uh, obviously, you can't do your best work under those kind of time frames. 
Um, I mean, sometimes pressure is good and it, it helps, but getting people involved early is important. And then it's a it's a conversation between the composer and the director uh, or producer. You know, it's different in film. It, uh, TV is different than film. Usually film, you're dealing with the director. But um, it's it's that conversation. And then you'll, you'll sit down together in a spotting session. Spotting session is where you would decide what kind of music goes in there. You also want to really have clarity uh, to the composer on uh, the direction that you want because uh, with the limited time and how involved it is to actually do these orchestral mock-ups with the MIDI, um, especially if you don't have the budget for a live orchestra, uh, that kind of work is a tedious data entry job. And for you to do a bunch of work and there wasn't clear communication. Like, for example, I'm doing a project right now for Paramount. And uh, I won't say a lot about it, but I will say that they sent me the theme for the current uh, NFL theme and the CBS theme for the, the different different stations NFL theme. And, um, okay, great. Uh, they wanted something in the vein of that. And... Uh, uh, so I did I did it, and then I went back, and they said, oh, no, we want this more modern. And so I literally had to just scratch all this work I did because uh, they hadn't communicated. Of course, you know, uh, I, I redid it uh, for them, you know. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that communication is really important. And getting somebody in there early, you can do some, you can do some mock-ups, you can, you can do some soundscapes and kind of explore different ideas or even tempt the, the, the movie or, uh, or project with um, uh, other scores that, that the director loves, you know? Do you think it's possible that, or even probable that the filmmaker doesn't really know it till he hears it? Um, I mean, it, it's possible. It is possible. Yeah, it, it is possible. Uh, I think everybody is different. You know, everybody's, uh, it, it's the challenge for the composer is communicating with a director or producer that doesn't speak composer language. And so for me, I have a long list of adjectives that, um, I try and run by the director um so that i understand um when we're talking about um a musical idea is it is it the energy you don't like is it the the pacing is it the register whether it's high or low if we took this out would that uh be better is it does it need to be more emotional does it need to be more sparse is there too much going on uh music some of the best music uh that exists in the in the movie is a uh, silence you know uh for me mm -hmm. and uh a silence is a vacuum that draws your audience in and uh the contrast between music and silence is super powerful do you uh, do you keep that list of adjectives somewhere, or is that just in your head? It's in my head, yeah. <laughs> and I was rattling off a few. Just no, but I th ideas. I think we all use them, right? 
It yeah. needs to be lighter. It needs to be more dense. Yeah. It needs like, what do all these things mean? But they're hard. Yeah. to. That's right. <laughs> hard to use sometimes. Do you have any uh, different approaches when you're talking about uh, films, like a theatrical film versus episodic TV music uh, back and forth? Or is that different to you? Yeah. Um, it's, it's way different. Hmm. So uh, overall in a film, you know, that's an hour or longer, you know, there's an arc to the score that, you know, you're introducing ideas, you're introducing themes. Sometimes you're actually um, using uh, tricks that will um, uh, kind of um, trick people into thinking one character is the good guy or bad guy when they're not, you know, you're, you're creating, you're creating uh, uh, these ideas and creating people's sense of connection to characters early on. Those things are developed more later as events unfold in a movie. So uh, the way you kind of set these things up, I think, is important. Uh, in in tele in episodic television, you know, like. I'll give you an example. The Ninja Turtles, uh, when I did that back in the 90s, um, they messed around with the edits forever. Mm. And uh, I got the I got the episode the day before uh, it was mixing, which is insane. So um, this is a wall-to-wall -wall music 20. It's a 30-minute episode, which means 23 minutes of music with TV commercials. Um, so I was thinking through ideas of what this score was going to sound like without seeing the picture. And then I had really 24 hours to turn around all this music. So I, I had the music, uh, supervisor actually stayed up with me all night. I fell asleep several times, literally just in my chair and he would wake me up, give me coffee and keep riding, keep riding, keep riding till noon the next day. And we finished it. Um, most TV series, you, you're going, you'll get on a Sunday night and you have to turn it in by Thursday night or Friday morning. There are fixes. And, uh, and then by Saturday, you, they're, they're going to be either mixing or it has to be delivered and you get a new episode on Sunday if it's a really fast. Like when I did the new, Ad, Ad, new Adams Family, that was 65 episodes. So every single week you get a new new episode um and in the case of power rangers they did two episodes a week and i i obviously cannot write two episodes worth of music a week um and so it would go to a music editor and we would be editing a lot of that stuff so when somebody morphed or transformed you know we edit those same themes in so it's a lot faster pace um wow. and there's less time to think through changes. Um, uh, so uh, that, uh, I, I, I love film <laughs> compared to television, but I'd be honest with you, I've, I've done way more television than film. And um, hmm. I think uh, it's, it's been good for me and my chops as a composer uh, because it, it makes you, you know, watching video, seeing video, um, is an understanding how video is edited and transformed, uh, 
you know, as a musician, if you're a musician listening to this, you know, understanding how uh, transitions work uh, with an editor, how much space they leave between cuts and things like this, all this plays into the way you approach uh, music, right? And the way yeah. music can can sometimes save the editing when you have an editor that's not the greatest. <laughs> Boy, heard that. Um, so we're going to try to keep this tight, Michael. I'm going to go about another five minutes or so, but I want to ask you some, yes, sir. <laughs> some quicker questions here, if we can do that, can we? Okay, yeah. Speed, um, speed questions. If you could score any TV show or movie from the last 100 years that you've not yet worked on, what would you choose and why? Yeah, that's hard because I think I would screw it up. Uh, but uh, <laughs> because they would all probably come from John Williams uh, and Spielberg, of course. But I I love uh, fantasy adventure movies. So I'd probably, I would probably say a movie like Hook or something like that, that was like magical mm -hmm. Peter Pan uh, orchestration wise, that would be just amazing. And to work with a real orchestra, of course. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, if there, is there a song in your mind? Uh, maybe it's been going through your mind recently, or maybe it's just a favorite song of yours that you think, man, somebody ought to use that song in a movie. I know you asked that and, and I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I will I will say a couple artists that I love though. One is an uh, artist I work with. Her name is Sercina S V R C I N A. She also works with Tommy Prophet, who is another artist I love. Um, I would definitely check out their their music. Uh, right. They they love cinematic music. So nice, nice, nice. Um, do you have any hacks or time savers for? musicians for music supervisors for directors for anybody in the filmmaking world when it comes to music yeah i think um i think don't when it comes to music don't be on the no plan plan so you know that music is is often an afterthought so mm. um this is why you know we need to get uh a the time saver is getting somebody who really understands music for film and TV, you know, the, the cool band member that you may know is probably not the guy who really understands this. And, mm. um, but in, in general, it's like, just uh, have, have a game plan ahead of time with the, with your uh, music composer. I was going to ask you who your favorite composer was, but you've said his name several That's times. Right. In this. I mean, of course it's, it's John Williams. Uh, of course I love, James Newton Howard, Alan Silvestri, Jerry Goldsmith, Ennio Morricone, all these, all these guys I love, and we we study in depth their scores in my scoring academy. Um, so it, it's I'm always learning. I'm a lifetime learner. Here's one I was not even thinking of until this moment, but when you say Morricone, uh, you know, I had no idea the guy did all the spaghetti westerns yeah. until i became a fan of all the westerns and then i'm like seeing the credits and i'm like wait a minute um and so that i guess that's how spaghetti western came so you know i'm, I'm right. not a huge historical fan of of film but i'm i, I love the um I, I love the fact that he invented that sound almost that 
Yeah. And there goes, there goes. It's like your movie. Here's a good example, Barry. It's like, like that sound and and it's what, what makes an artist also. I see so many generic sounding songs and what made Ennio Morricone so amazing is he created a sound that we can just like identify with. And it's the same thing, like your composer or if you're a producer and you're producing for a record, it's like your artist has to sound different than somebody else. I mean, we, yeah. we need to hear something new. We've heard all the other stuff before, you know? So giving that creative freedom is is oftentimes not given. And uh, it's it's amazing when it happens. A couple other quick questions. Tell me about the Southern Exposure Project. Okay. Well, that, that project is... It's pretty, it's pretty old now, but that was a jazz project that, uh, you know, uh, I have to do something to satisfy my, my musical itch. You know, I don't make a lot of music uh, or money playing super uh, complicated jazz music. Uh, so um, that was a project that, uh, uh, you know, I got a lot of my incredible music friends together, like, you know, Tom Hemby uh, and Keith Carlock from Steely Dan and uh, other just really A-level musicians. And we went in the studio and just recorded some really now, intense jazz music. I And I know those guys. Uh, aren't you doing some shows with them? I just did one last, last week with Keith Carlock from Steely Dan. So that was, he's an absolutely incredible drummer. And do you uh, do it? regularly can people check it out somewhere um i don't do it regularly with my schedule so i try and okay. uh i try and make time for those sorts of things but um with the academy this year and with projects going on um i, I do that as a labor of love so um, okay. you just have well, to follow me, uh, follow uh, me we'll, on my socials <laughs> we'll try to drop a note if you uh if you ever do a pop-up one again we'd love to, <laughs> love to catch it sometime let me let me just kind of get us maybe the last question is about the scorecraft uh composer academy and you're the yeah. director and you've been doing this for many years now over a decade yeah and um, you've graduated a bunch of young people out in there into that world tell That's the right. audience about that well I'm super passionate to help other people uh, get to their next. You know, I've done this for a long time and and um, have a lot of experience. And there's not a lot of places uh, like you can go to USC for a hundred thousand dollars a year, or you can go to Berkeley for sixty grand a year. But for a person who's already in the music business who wants to learn specifically music for film and TV, it, this is a five-month uh, intensive with me, uh, actually me personally mentoring you and 20 other composers from around the world. We have composers. You'll have, be working with people in London and uh, in Asia, and we all get meet via Zoom. And every week you're scoring a new uh, a new film. So we'll be working on something uh, from a like sci-fi, like a predator or something like that. And then we'll work on a romantic comedy. Then we'll work on trailer music. And so you'll actually score about four times as much uh, score to picture projects as going through a major university through this. It, you learn by doing. And of course, you get feedback every week and we listen to each other's music every week. It's an amazing program and the transformation is dramatic um, with these composers. 
Wow. Uh, Michael Whitaker, thank you so much for taking a chunk of your you. busy day to uh, chat with us. Um, you have you have just been a delightful um, addition to my life recently. You've you've uh, stepped up and done panel discussions and now uh podcast and you've been super helpful to me and I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Oh, thank you, Barry. And I'm honored to be a part of this and I, I wish you all the best on, on this. And I, I know that, you know, you are super well-respected and, uh, and the work you've done. And I know, you know, anything you do is going to be awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, we'll say goodbye for now. All right. Take care. Bye.